so this one hasn't taken us too long, but I've been actually really looking forward to having Tim Frey along. So Tim, welcome to the Coaches Collective podcast. Thanks for having me. Fucking buzz. Can I swear? You can do whatever you want. This oh, cool. Is, yeah. This is that not why we build a business, mate? To oh. say whatever the fuck we want. When we yeah, want. we don't. We don't have a boss, which is epic. Uh, yeah, I don't work well with bosses. <laughs> Very good. Me too. Such a, such a rebel. Such a rebel you are. We think we are. <laughs> so, so Tim, um, mate, I, I've obviously been lucky uh, for the last seven or eight years to be traveling around Australia, meeting, you know, awesome dudes, guys are doing great things in the fitness industry. It's awesome. Like I said, like I said, offline, um, if I had to do this as a podcast for us to catch up, let's be honest, you've been living on an island for the last however many years. Yeah, we've been in the locked democratic state of Western Australia. Yes. Uh, it, it felt like a prison. It literally felt like a prison. It was a wild couple of years. Yeah, what, what they call him? Comrade, Comrade <laughs> McGowan? Comrade McGowan. Not the, uh, yeah, depends who you talk to, not the most popular bloke over here. Uh, anymore it was uh it's very mixed opinions it's really hard to kind of know what the media is getting at and you don't really know if it's true without going into a full rabbit hole and conspiracy no well let, let's not talk conspiracy because <laughs> it doesn't have to be conspiracy anymore it's all just played out right yeah 100 it has played out i think that's actually interesting and, and whilst i haven't really touched on it at all in our podcast because I'll be honest, mate. Podcasts for me were a great chance to, to connect with people, to catch up and to have actually just great conversation. You know, like we talked a lot offline, but a lot of obviously the people that we talk to for the most part, apart from obviously you running a studio and talking to the general public and whatever, mm. um, we're, we're all uh, influencers and leaders. But I heard something really interesting that I think it was the, like the top two industries of people that the whole way along were seeing through a lot of the bullshit. Uh, the top two, actually, I'll ask you, what do you think the top two industries were that questioned a lot of the bullshit that was rolling out over the last few years? Fitness, for sure. Yep. And police. Well, they actually ranked high. They were actually fifth. But, yeah, um, I thought so. I, yeah, anyway. You go. Lawyers were lawyers, the second yeah. most. <laughs> yeah, maybe they, yeah. It, it, a lot of the, sh well, from my limited expertise and my uh, research of Tim, um, believe that a lot of it was illegal that they were doing. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Let's let's be honest. It's a bit, bit bit crazy that we literally went to those those extremes to lock people down yeah. and do the anti health thing to make it about health. <laughs> it was fucking weird over here. Like literally from day to day, it was like Friday, restrictions and mandates end, and that was it. Like there was, they were just like, just totally cool with everyone dying from that point. But up until that point, it was, you know, fucking fighting tooth and nail to keep people on the rules. And then from day to day, minute to minute, it was like, it never existed. Yeah, I guess it was, um, obviously mate, I'm, I was in Victoria. So yeah. Um, yeah, we copped it pretty hard. Yeah. Mate, that probably just segues, look, we, we, we had a chat off air and, and I'm happy to go wherever this kind of goes. And I love that style. But we, I mean, I guess for you, what I'm always interested in before we kind of maybe kick into talking about sales and stuff, if that's where we were talking about wanting to go, for you as a business owner, like, dude, yeah. it, it, do for me in a nutshell, which is probably one of the most challenging things. Yeah. Share your biggest takeaways, like, you know, what have you learned through this period? Because since I've met you, I feel like you've become, to be honest, on the outside in, a much more hardened, much better leader who's done the things that remember when I was sitting in your office maybe yeah. four years ago and I was like, mm. Tim, dude, this, 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 and this, and you're like, yeah. Um, Step the fuck up, it's happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it's been a huge journey, I think for me, like as a person and then as a business as well. The COVID times were really challenging because I, you know, the day they were like, we're locking down, it was, it was such a big thing because everyone was looking at me for like, what the fuck do we do? And I'm like, man, I'm just a, gym owner i have no idea i like lifting weights snatching and doing cleans like that's pretty much what i'm about and then everyone's like what should i do with my life and then all of a sudden i transitioned into like a, a life coach in just one day and everyone was looking to me for advice so i thought you know i've got to step up here and lead the community which we had 250 something members at the time mm. it was a really tough transition because uh, it was like do i get bogged down in everyone's negativity or do i 
try to rise to the top here and, and lift everyone up. So there were two choices was like, do I be the victim or do I be the leader? And then I chose to be the leader. And that's kind of where it all started was that COVID thing. And I think it was a good, it was a really good time for gym owners in my opinion, because I feel like it did weed out a lot of people from the industry. So there were a lot of people that left that maybe weren't super committed to it. I think as a whole, it was a positive thing for me mm. as a person and mm. the fitness industry. Financially, it fucking sucked uh, for a little bit. Not as bad as like over East, but, you know, you know, still financially, it did suck. But I was able to grind and hustle for two hard years and we really mm. got ourselves ahead. My fiance and I, we went to Bali two weeks ago and we were laughing at like how far we've come. We were like, this is fucking wild. At the start of the pandemic, we were like, barely affording to pay rent to kind of where we are now so like financially it went well post-covid yeah and then just the growth of it was tremendous you have to step up from a sales marketing finances point of view really like to look into your finances and understand it rather than just spending whatever you want it was at a point where i was like all right cool so what am i paying people what are the contracts what's the hourly rate how does this all work what are you know what's mm. my rent agreement what's my lease like how what happens if i actually go under here so there were yeah. all these questions that I'd never even considered. I'm just like, I'm a guy that owns a gym, but all of a sudden everything mattered, like everything mattered. So I became a lot better operator, a lot better leader, a lot better coach. Um, and I'd say a lot better person. Uh, I would say mm. that maybe other people that have dealt with me probably didn't say that, but I guess that's it. Oh, like I definitely concur. You're a much better yeah. person than what you were even a couple of years ago. Now, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope that resonated with what I, yeah, we just went. Mate, that around. totally resonated. I just, for me, a big part, mate, is obviously we're, we're an industry that, that copped it very, very, very hard. Oh, yeah, mate, I concur, concur with your, your experience was very, very similar to mine. Um, and... Yeah, you guys got you got shelved. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> day to day. You can't run courses, and then fuck. You yeah, adapt. Was, but obviously, look, mate. The, the residual part of of uh, of my life was it was a little bit of um, carnage. But to be honest, we 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 actually really grew through that time. Like, mm. believe it or not, like similar to you, um, people were asking, coming for for answers. But finally, they were leaning into the challenging shit, the stuff that they avoided for so long. But you know, it's funny what you were just talking about. I had a great chat. Um, a guy I used to do a lot of corporate speaking with, um, Olympic sports psych, asked me the question and he he, he coaches, he's an Olympic sports psych mate, but he, he coaches CEOs of businesses, he, he's elite. Mm. And he was saying, he asked me this question the other the other week and it, it kind of come, come up off the back of what you were saying because it made you think about it. But the question that I, I put to you to keep thinking about is, what's your exit game? Mm. Now he asked that a lot. Like he asked that for CEOs. So you know when you're in the middle of it all and you're, you're adapting and you're like fucking showing it for clients, and you're putting in better systems and you blah blah blah, blah all of that stuff, right? Mm. But I'm just going to ask you that because it made you think about your leases and made you think about fuck, what are we under? You know, like I've I've faced insolvency and stuff, and I I haven't shared that a lot on podcasts. But to be honest, when you probably met me seven years ago, maybe six yeah. years ago, I, I literally was at a point where I almost faced that. Yeah. And I haven't shared a lot about that, but it, it makes you think, right? Yeah. So exit plan from like next step or what do I do if the business goes under? Well, there's a couple of ways to look at the exit plan, mm. right? And it, it'd be something maybe, it, yeah, it's, <laughs> mate, it's a fucking amazing question. Like if you yeah. go, mm, um, ugh, I don't, I don't know. Right. Yeah. You could look at it from two parts. You can look at it from potentially like, is the view, for example, with Helix to be able to make this something that you could sell, for example. Mm and step right back and have a, a certain ownership of it or a role. Or you could look at it from the point of view of what's like a way for you to exit out of say your current role, where as you know, mate, you were the guy that like most people did everything. Mm. And then you slowly started to bring in people and delegate, right? So you yep. could look at it from the, depending on your timeline, you could look at it at the end, end point, or you could look at it as like, what do you need to give along the way, a way to other people to step into the next higher part of the role. Yeah, I'll give you the what what it looks like now. So we've kind of been on a, a transition with the team and stuff and these types of things lately. So now we have a manager who runs the day-to-day. -day. The manager's role essentially is just to keep things moving. So it's not to grow the business, that's completely on me. But yes. her role is just to keep the thing moving, everyone happy, everything working. Then we have a head coach who runs all the coaching stuff and then we have an admin and that's basically it. That's it's us three 
then I coach five hours a week. The girls run the rest, my manager and head coach. And then we have an admin to do all the other stuff. But pre-COVID, post-COVID, my team was bloated, man. We had like six or seven coaches just doing random stuff, just overpaying for everything. We had too many hours going out. So I've really simplified it and taken it back. I, I feel like managing three people is a lot easier than managing eight. Um, yeah. And then there was a lot of just dead wood and a lot of communication errors that were happening. So in terms of like lifestyle right now, I could do this and like the hours I'm doing is probably about 15 a week. If mm. I'm really savvy with my time, if I want to just pretend like I'm, you know, wasting my time, then I could probably work 30 and 40 and then never really get anywhere extra. But it's funny you asked the exit strategy. I had a call with an advisor last night and she said to me, she was like, look, Tim, you could sell the gym. But even if you got it to, you know, a million plus in revenue, you're still only going to sell it for 200K because someone that can afford to buy this thing or the people with the big money are not going to be in Wangara in Perth ready to yeah. buy a gym like this. So she goes, regardless of how big you get it, it's always going to be about that number. So, you know, all the extra effort you put in right now to keep moving forward, you know, the extra strategy and plan is still the same, which is not my extra strategy because I fucking love it yeah. at the moment. But, yes. you know, that may change in the future. I had an offer for two offers for it in December, actually, which I rejected. But yeah, because I love it. So I hope that kind of answered your question. Yeah. What? Yeah. What's next? Fuck knows. I've been thinking about that for the last two years also. <laughs> cool. Dude, as you as you get clearer and clearer, it'd be great to do another podcast. We just segue into a whole nother area, right? But um, yeah. I, I love I love talking leadership. Yeah. Um, I feel like, to be honest, man, I don't, I don't like to, you know, blow smoke up people's asses, but you, yeah, I'm but ready. you you've certainly grown a fuck ton from where I remember you being four or five years ago. Young, um, dumb and full of cum and just yeah. you know, being an idiot. What do you think about the sale value thing? Like that I was just talking about, which someone advised me on, obviously, you know, the, the, the value of a business is what someone's willing to pay, not what you think it's worth. <laughs> I, I, uh, I mean, I was probably lucky, like my, my dad, um, growing up, my, my dad, so he was, he was in printing um, and then was kind of forced to take a slightly different route because when he was actually, I was actually talking about this in one of our coaching calls today and, and where the root of my instability feeling in my life was for a long time as mm. I grew. But my dad had like 35 staff and a big printing business and then the top three advisors left and started their own thing. Yeah. and took half the staff with them. And like, mate, back in the day, like my, my old man would take like all the staff and their family, so 35 staff and their families to like cans and fly Shit. them up, put everything on. Like he was so generous. Yeah. Uh, and the top three guys got selfish and fucked him and actually ended up going bankrupt about three years later. But my dad had to sell everything when I was like 14. Um, so mm. I remember going from a, we lived in a, a 90 square house. Right? If you, it was a big house, right? Yeah. Um, on an acre, a little over an acre in a beautiful area called Temple So. Mate, I had, we had motorbikes, my dad and mum had a Lexus. Like we, we were really well off at that stage. And mm. then we went from everything to nothing. So I saw my dad, he had a restraint of trade um, and long story short, um, wasn't allowed to work in that industry for five years. So I saw him with about three or $400,000 that was left. He put 200 into a house. He borrowed from my school. I didn't realize that's when I started realizing I, I should probably stop fucking around and getting kicked out of class and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'd make the most of it. And I saw my dad buy and sell five different businesses in about a seven year period. So yeah, okay. I've seen a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And my experience of watching my dad is they, they get certain types of accountants will value your business. And yeah. to be honest, I'd say they're fairly accurate. Most mm -hmm. people that want to sell a business have this emotional attachment. They think it's worth everything. And, I, and, but what you got to understand, as you know, you buy based off that bottom line and profitability. Yeah, for sure. And depending upon like what what's there now, as you know, PT like look at COVID, it's fucking the, the agreements. Um, uh, depending on how you do it, even if you got year long agreements, they're still really month to month. Yeah, for sure. Right, so it's very challenging to value a fitness business. Mm. Right, so I'm not sure you, you were you were advised on as, in terms of multiples, but yeah. What I see is you've only got profit and, and what a lot of people that sell a business, they don't realize like your income is actually an expense. Yeah. Right. Like I'm a, I'm not an accountant. Fuck. I never wanted to be, but I'm a financial advisor by trade. Yeah. Right. So I always had a fascination around finance and understanding that. 
but you definitely, yeah, I think you're fairly accurate in saying that, that when you look at a balance sheet, it's about what you're able to keep. Like that's how you mm -hmm. win. So what you do needs to be profitable, which is why I've always seen, and by the way, why I actually love that you're actually a high value service, even in a group leveraged group model. Like yeah. tick to you, dude, well done. Yeah, it's been a tough transition. Uh, it's oh. it's that's also a tr tough transition, I guess. Well, it's not a tough transition; it's a great transition because everyone else is charging fifty bucks a week, and then for your minimum package to be eighty, yeah, it's, yes. a, it's a step up, which is great. Positions you in the market as the the premium. Yeah. So so what's your so after kind of hearing that was that a shock to you? The money thing. Nah, I've heard it for a while. Uh, you know, I've had various financial advisors talk about this and you know the multiple could be anywhere from one to two and a half depending on the system processes procedures staff yeah. contracts these types of things which is fine like I'm, yeah i'm fine with that it's not something i want to sell i've kind of definitely come to the realization that i'm going to have a gym forever and yep. you know if it's me in their day-to-day -day, then it is if it isn't then it isn't as well and that's fine too it's just kind of the the ebbs and flows of it i just fucking love it like it's not even yeah. like something i it's not even like, I don't even look at the money aspect of it without it sounding cliche. It's not about that for me. Like, you know, I'm my fiance always gives me shit. She's like, why are you buying Swiss bars and chains and band pegs and, you know, fucking weight releases and all this shit. I'm like, you don't get it, but <laughs> it's the passion for I it. I want to yeah, make it better. I want to make it better. And that no one gives a fuck besides me, which is yeah. fine, but I still care and that matters. So like, I want to have the absolute best experience that I can possibly have in a group training gym, making it as different as possible and no one else can copy me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, dude, I, like again, for me, I love that because I love yeah. a high value coach. I love yeah. Like for me, that's you're winning, right? Yeah. Like no one can compete. No. Nah. And I'm like, how are they? I think in my head, I'm like, how are they gonna even have the now to program this in a group setting and make it work? So that also that's the other, I guess, art and science of it. Yeah. Not saying no one can do it, but you know, people can do it, but it just hasn't been done. For for sure. It's, it's certainly not commonplace <laughs> to nah. have all that accommodating resistance stuff and all of like the, the funky cool bars and that. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was inspired by your story of um, getting coached by Seb Oreb uh, with the bench pressing. And he were talking about, you were talking about this shit ages ago, like I think five, six years ago, you were talking about yeah pull, pulling sleds and benching hard and being a madman in the gym. And I think I, I just still like, remember that story. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was um that was that was insane. Like when 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 we did that course, um, I think that's the value of someone who just man gave me so much confidence to get my my issue. If I look at all the things, like was tightness under the bar. And the mm. second someone taught me how to get like fucking super tight in a bench press, mm. um, and, and we're talking what seven six seven years ago at least. Mm. Um, man, I put on like 15 or 17 kilos more on the bar, which mate, when you've been benching since you were like 13. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's not bad. It's what we it's what we do it for, right? When you were less of a fossil. That's right, mate. I, I, I actually did my back this morning. Ah, uh, fossil things. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I first heard that term from you as well, the fossil, and I use it all the time. Uh, <laughs> I always call people a fossil. I think you called... Ah, fuck, what's his name? Nick a fossil at some point, or he called. No, me Nick called me a fossil, and yeah. and my program design would come through on the app saying defossilization phase four. <laughs> right? I fucking love that. <laughs> um, yeah, I missed the yeah that camaraderie was epic. Uh, yeah, what you guys were doing back in the day was sick. I think just even hearing you talk and communicating with Nick was incredible. Oh really? Hmm. Yeah, just the little things, gay shit, gay shit like that. No, yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got to bring a little bit of homeliness and a little bit of, you know, giving each other shit into the work environment. It's what makes a culture. 100%. <clears throat> so maybe if we segue into maybe some of the stuff we were talking about off air, because again, I don't know where we're going to go, but so so you you talking about sales and stuff and, and business, where, where was that question coming from? Like, is it because you coach guys in your in your space or or other coaches or? I don't coach. No, I don't coach anyone. Uh, yeah. I just, a lot of people reach out for advice and mm. I'll, I'll give advice from my limited sphere of knowledge uh, of what I know and yep. just go from there. I mean, like anything in particular we want to talk about with sales and marketing, I just, yeah, I feel like the people that would be listening to this would probably not have a sales process generally, unless they're working with you, which I think is a big issue in the fitness industry. Yeah, it's... um. 
it's interesting. Like, man, I could just talk like stories and, and, and <laughs> let, let it go where it wants to go. But I even just jumped off the phone to a guy who's been in the industry seven years. It's just a reflection on the industry. Like he's a personal training manager in a gym mm. and he part-time does that and he has his own business mm. and he coaches people, but he doesn't really have a business. And, and it stems from here down for, for many people that say they're in a gym, right? Mm. And I'm sure, I don't know, did, mate, I've never asked this question, but where you started, did you actually, were you in a big box gym to start? Oh yeah, I was in a big box gym and they, the first thing they taught us was how to sell. Uh, and it was like the owner of the business was, it was a big box gym, 247. And the owner was like, this is the most important thing you need to know in fitness. This is the 99% of being successful in a personal trainer is what I'm about to teach you. And from that day forward, I carried that and then learn how to sell and refine the process over time, which is super important. But I speak to coaches and PTs all the time. I'm like, what's your sales process? And they're like, oh, I just get them in for a free session then hope they sign up. And I was like, the fuck is that? No one is, that's not an inspiring process of growth. You know, like there is no diving into problems. There's no whiteboarding. There is no, here's an action plan. There is no programming. There's nothing to that. No wonder you're not successful. I think that the most important aspect of it is that initial onboarding and yeah. getting to know the client and what they want. I think this is like, there, there could be so many shifts here and what we could talk about. And I think one of the big ones is there's this real like, um, yeah, we had a conversation today, which was about on one of our other calls, which was around say, for example, like your online presence and your marketing right mm. now, I, the way I view it, mate, and I don't, I know that actually, because you've done some work with your social voice. I know Ken yeah. talks about um, systemology, right? Yeah. The book. Mm. Now I went and did that guy's short course. So yeah. I'm, I Dave am a Jenkins. certified systemologist or <laughs> whatever the fuck that means in the yeah. fitness industry. Right. But it's the way I already think, right? Like yeah. being in from finance, I always, I already thought systems before I got into the industry mm. and so I think about like this, like you've kind of got like your, everyone's slightly different. We all let, okay. Someone on the outside would go, yeah, yeah. We're, you're all personal trainers, right? Like Gavin, yeah. the guy, the psych I was talking to, he goes like, well, you're all pretty much the same. Like on the outside, you, you train people, I don't know. Yeah. Like, and, and then it comes down to differentiation, positioning yourself, your skill sets, yeah, all of that, right? So that's like your personal brand. Mm -hmm. So before you market, getting, or before you sell or before anything, like, getting really clear on like what you bring to the table, your values, the things that are really important to you. Um, did you go off and do the mindset mojo stuff? We, I think we spoke about this ages ago. Yeah, I did it with Paul Alicio. We did, I did not with the mindset mojo. Okay, sl slightly NLP different. with him, yeah. Yep, cool. So like once you start to understand all of that stuff, all the personal mm. development stuff, which PTs don't do any yeah. of that. That's yeah. another thing. It's my way or the highway and this is how I view the world and it's all correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. If someone was looking over their shoulder, I reckon they'd shut their mouth because they'd realize they were talking shit the whole day. Yeah, right. Sure. But so, so like I view as like you got your personal brand and then you've got like that then flows into your marketing. Right. Mm -hmm. And all of this stuff kind of gets reverse engineered. Like, um, you know, sales is about also understanding, like, to be honest, if you're so one big shift is that you're not actually selling. It's actually the start of a coaching process. Mm -hmm. Sure. Right. But then what you don't want to be doing is too much coaching. You want to actually just be asking really good questions Yeah. and asking the kind of questions that give you a lot of insight where in the back of my, your mind, you're thinking, do I really want to work with this person? Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, for me, it's, it's, but unfortunately the way most PTs come in sales is it's, it's more, uh, maybe I just lost a couple of clients. I better go and focus on doing some lead gen marketing, get mm. a new client and they sell from desperation. It's reactive, right? It's totally reactive, but that's why for me, like I've got a soft spot for, and, and this why, even if I use the word sales and sorry for coaches that watch this back, because that word just seems to trigger them a lot. Yeah. Um, but for me, <laughs> sales is helping people. Yeah. Right. But you're only really that don't, you only really get to help them once you actually have qualify them really well and then actually sold to them. So they actually start what is the real work from then. Mm. Right. So, so around sales, like I think one of the biggest shifts is focus on it being the start of your coaching process, not selling. In fact, at the very end of it, if we've done the process right, they actually should be selling you. 
uh, that they want to work there and that they want to be part of this community and the values and the things that you actually hold in high regard. Yeah, 100% agree. Thoughts? Yeah, I think it could be the part of the onboarding as well. It doesn't need to be called sales because people get weird about it with it, it being an icky word. But I think, yeah, just having an onboarding process that asks the right questions and has the right conversations rather than just being like, yeah, it's 75 bucks for 45 minutes. Are you in? I think yeah. it's going to go a lot further in the fitness industry. I, I remember, so I, when I, because I, I've done this the other way around, I had a studio and then ended up going to a fitness first the other way. Mm. I remember fitness first, they, they, they basically gave me these like a, a one page questionnaire, but it was like, mm. ask the why. That's what I remember yeah, from yeah. the sales process. Your why should make you cry. And you ask them five <laughs> times to get to their deeper why. And then, <laughs> then I was like, where, yeah. where, where, am I, where am I? Like this, I don't know what- Yeah, why, is this a Tony I? Robbins seminar? Am I about to jump on stage and walk on fire? Like, is this, what's going on here? <laughs> but you got to a point where you're like, I don't know what to ask. Yeah. Like, you, need, yeah you need to be trained in it. So it's like, yeah. you know, you, you want to lose five kilos, why? Well, my wife won't fuck me. Why? It's like, I don't know why my wife doesn't want to fuck me. Like, where is this going? Yeah. <laughs> they present it and you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Basically, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I actually don't really have, and and yeah, there is a process. So, mm. um, mate, when it comes to sales, I love, I obviously through years and through thousands of conversation. You are a sales warlord, I must say. I, I really hope people wouldn't view me like a warlord, but um, but I, but I hope- That's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Okay, I, I hope that people, to be honest, if I reverse engineer what I want my brand to be about, it's that yeah. I think I actually give a fuck. Mm. And I give a fuck enough to sometimes have the hard conversations if I can see that someone's bringing up a whole heap of stories that are actually getting in their way. Yeah. Right? No, I don't know. Is that your experience with me? Because I know that I, I you were very icky around sales. Oh, 100%. Definitely icky because I have money shit and money issues and blocks and limiting beliefs and all those types of things. So parting with it once I had it was something that was hard for me to do. And then once I realized that to get forward, you have to invest in coaches like yourself, then it doesn't become a thing anymore. So I think like, mm. yeah, signing up with you guys back in the day was the biggest investment I'd made to date. And that was a, a that was a hard quote unquote sell. And I remember it was, it was about a, it was about a four call process. Yeah, I remember there were like four 40 minute calls uh, or something like that. And I said, this Mark guy's banging my door in, but respect, you know, here's my credit yeah. card details. Let's go. And <laughs> it was a great thing to do, which I've learned heaps from you. But uh, yeah, I, sales are important and the perspectives of the big investment and the things I've learned from the big investments, like the programs I've done have shaped who I am. So if there's any advice I can give about learning sales or doing sales or doing courses of self-education, it's usually the, the big ticket ones are the best if they have good reviews. A hundred percent. Let's like, uh, what I actually am really interested in is like, so that people kind of understand if they're, they're out there in, I don't know, in uh, Spotify world or whatever, listening to this. Mm. Um, for you, let's sort of talk about like your sales process and your onboarding, because it's important for you. I can see from the outside, like, Let's talk about your offer. Like you're like a high value. I know that it can be around $150,000, $150 a week, roughly. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, it could. So it, we changed it a little bit. So it's a hundred now for our top package, but 80 for the middle, for the lowest. So not like super high, but um, yeah, we have an onboarding. So essentially to answer the question, I've tried everything, like every possible onboarding, every possible offer everything yep. possible and what we've kind of settled at now is we do a consultation uh we'll go through goals where they're at where's the nutrition like full dive into it uh ask them a million questions so we get a good clear picture then we design them a 12-week protocol here's what you do with your training here's what you do with your nutrition here's what you do with your recovery um you know ice bus sauna sleep all that type of thing make it simple but not too hard for them to do then we present the offer and the offer is like our quote-unquote initiation so you do three one hour sessions with us one-on-one -on -one PT, then you know you sign up for whatever, six weeks or eight weeks is like a kind of onboarding period and you pay it in full and you've got to do a nutrition course, all these types of things. So there are roadblocks to becoming a member. So it's less about uh, paying and more about, are they good enough to join? Are they willing to do the work? Are they willing to become a valued part of the cult? And the community that I awesome. So Felix Jim, <laughs> let, let's let's like reverse engineer this for the listeners, right? Yeah. Because I love that, and 
again, not knowing what you do, um, yeah. that, that gives me goosebumps and excitement. Could be quackery. Ooh. Yeah. No, well, but, <laughs> okay. So, so if you think about it, did you hear what Tim said? It was that they need to go through these roadblocks and these hurdles yeah. in order to become a client. As in, they need to almost prove themselves to you is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. To actually become the right type of person that goes into your ongoing program. Yeah, for sure. We've had, yeah, we've, we've trialed many things. So this is, I've had over 2000 clients in eight years. So I've met every type of client there is. And yeah. a lot of, a, a good percentage of people come into a group training gym, they'll sign up and then they just fucking flake it. And they just, you know, you, you see them a couple of times and then they're out and that they're handed their notice and that's done. Which it's not good for anyone. It's not good for them. It's not good for their confidence. It's not good for the industry. It's not good for group training gyms in general. So what if we put a hurdle in front of it and maybe it's a little bit more expensive on the front end and maybe they got to do some really hard shit to prove that they've got it. And maybe they need to do some hard shit to prove that inside they've got what it takes to get results, which realistically it does. Like you have to fucking hustle it and you have to work hard if you're going to get results in any personal trainer, any group training gym, anything like that. So that was, yeah, that was the main crux of, of why we did it was just like, just to get better members that, you know, love what we do. They understand the values, understand the culture, they're good team players. And then they can prove that they can do hard shit. Cause you know, like we're talking about the style of training that we run, it's not, it's not for the faint hearted, you know, it's not oh. rocking up to a fucking F45 class, do, jumping over some shit and, you know, doing some bicep curls with pink dumbbells. It's like, it's going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're redlining. You know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's proper SNC style training. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when they come in, it, mm. so it sounds like when at the front end, when they mm. come in, that that's not sold as like a, a challenge or anything. This is like. It, yeah. It's a, we package it up as a challenge, quote unquote. Oh. People, you know, from what I've seen psychologically, if we can get someone to commit to like a time period and they're like, cool, I do all this shit. It's hard yada yada after it we kind of say yeah you've proved yourself you know join the community then they're yeah. like they're more likely to be like yeah if you i, I kind of find that it's especially it's been killed in the group training field but if you bring someone in and you're like cool sign up three times a week indefinitely forever it can be a little bit like uh, fuck that but if you've got a predetermined time period on it it can be an easier sale yeah. as well so these are things i've experimented with it's not wrong or right by any means it's just what's kind of worked for us from a good client's point of view and retention and sales well dude the fact that like you say that i know like let's let's talk about like probably one of the guys that's changed the fitness industry everyone loves to quote him i do love some of his stuff i don't necessarily haven't fallen in love with the guy like many people have mm. alex Wormosi. yeah um you know um, obviously runs a business and earns over hundred mil. So probably learn a few things about coaching guys, right? Yeah. yeah. But a big, he's been a big proponent of this, but, but really, if you think about it from a, um, and, and I like way beyond that to actually have whole, a whole coaching arm, because I think mm. if you learn from COVID, you had to have that, right? 100%. But, but those, um, if you're fixing a lot of problems at the start, right? Mm. Like, as you said, it's like, it's like giving them the puppy dog. Like they're going to fucking love it. If you give it to them and they play with it every day and right. Yeah. And you can get them immersed in your space. Like, what's the research? You can get people in more than like two or three times a week consistently for even a few weeks. Yeah. They'll actually stay. Yeah. Right? And want to stay. Yeah. I think it's the first 100 days was right. like two times a week for the first 100 days. They'll be a client for 14 months or some crazy shit like that. So it's, uh, yeah, don't quote me on that, but I've heard that multiple times. Interesting. So, yeah, like I, I love that. But what I also love for anyone who's <clears throat> a coach is, Think about it from the point, I know you said it kind of earlier, but if it's, okay, regardless of what you're doing, it's about helping people, right? If, hmm. if that's the purpose and you love fucking helping people and you love health and fitness and all of that, then what you've done is you've, uh, you've given something that is upfront, actually solving a lot of their problems mm -hmm. as they get started, right? Yeah, 100%. Which I love. And I think like the big thing that was stopping my progress in the past is me. Is like my inability to want to do a challenge or I don't want to call it a challenge or I don't want to seem like everyone else or, you know, all the, you know, bullshit and stories that we tell ourselves that limit our own progress. When in reality, it's, it's what the consumer thinks they need as well, rather than what you think they need. So sell them what they want, give them what they need.
Yeah. Then I guess beyond that, so you keep you, you say onboarding. So what does that look like? If you put if you create like little membership sites or like what have you done to to transition them through that to make it successful? Yeah. So we have got depends when it's released, but we we have a hundred day journey for new clients. So uh, emails and texts, everything's automated. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Just, Zing off, we got a new member, the whole team gets text, everyone reaches out to them, hello, how are you, like, what's up, what's your goal? Goes into a database, uh, then they get a call, um, second week, fourth week, sixth week, eight week, 10 week, by our client success manager, just to check in. Then uh, they'll do their PT sessions, um, so three PT sessions, uh, so it's mixed between technique and challenge. So technique, snatch, clean, jerk, bench, military press, you know, the standards, and then challenge, like doing hard shit just seeing what they're made of. Uh, we finish with the challenge. On the third challenge, we do something called the Helix Horror, uh, which is our signature workout. When they pass that, they get the t-shirt and they're in, and then they're officially in the cult from there. Where did you learn the t-shirt thing from? Uh, probably some book that I read. Joe DeFranco? Yeah, something like that. It would have been something like that. And then, you know, they're in the community and we have events and pump them up and, you know, shout them out and all that type of stuff. That's all kind of automated in the process, in the 100-day journey. The book, I think, was like Never Lose a Customer Again was a good one. Um, I think, I can't remember who that was by, but that gave me a lot of ideas on that process, mm. um, particularly. So that's the main one with the onboardings, the three PTs. Obviously we have this, uh, so we get them on an e-vault scan and we do all the scanning shit and get their measurements yeah. and all that stuff to start. So we have a scanner in the gym that everyone just uses whenever they want. It's one of the tasks of our operations manager to text 10 people every Thursday and make sure they get a scan and send. So these are all like retention things that are already built into the processes and systems. Yeah. Uh, but that's the main ones, the PT, the challenge workout. Uh, they get called every two weeks by our client success manager for a hundred days. We try to get them to that journey. Then we, every 12th week, we book in a strategy session to map out their next 12 weeks. So what we're gonna do differently from the last one, here's the results, that kind of thing. So mm. I systemize that on ClickUp. So my operations manager will get a notification every 12th week to um, divide the list up between the coaches and everyone just does the strategy sessions with people that want them. Yep. So yeah. that then they, so, so beyond that, like first 12 weeks, do yep. they go into a similar framework each 12 weeks or no? So essentially that, that fly by the way is so funny. Yeah, do the flies. <laughs> so we run, it kind of works more with our programming. We run 12 week cycles, uh, four, three week blocks. Then we have a testing week. So that's where most of our evaluation comes in is that testing week is like, you know, if you've gone hard at benching or squatting or whatever, you know, <laughs> we want to test it and see where we're at after 12 weeks of programming. Did you make results? Didn't you make results? Why? Why not? What do we need to change? You know how are we going to change it kind of thing so we run two different programs we call one called flex and one called performance flex is essentially getting jacked looking good naked and um, performance is you know powerlifting olympic lifting so super yeah. total training uh in one and members can jump between whatever they want and uh that kind of works really well for retention and enjoyment as well yeah awesome i think this is awesome for someone who's listening going you know, if you think about your system, right? Like you've yeah. constantly tested stuff. Yeah, fuck. Um, a lot. Made a lot of mistakes. Of course, dude. <laughs> of course. Um, but I mean, how important is accountability? Huge. It's there's no. I've, I haven't. Yeah, I've. We do it. I haven't found a great way to systemize it yet. Um, that works super well. People get quite blind to text messages and messages check-ins. Yeah forms people are really good for for like two weeks and then they're like fuck that i'm not feeling out this agree yep um and then calls no one wants to answer the call because they got shit to do and then for someone to call someone at like six or seven or eight p.m they're like fuck this i'm not answering a call now about the gym so it's cool We, we generally use our membership group on Facebook as most of the accountability. So like drop a PB, like drop anything you're struggling with, like those types of posts do super well. Then we celebrate and reach out, you know, that kind of stuff. So accountability is good. People always slip through the cracks. Yeah. Um, But you know, with all the systems I've mentioned and and spoke about, it works pretty well. Yeah. It's, um, it's one thing for me, like, well, do you have anything on that? Yeah. What do you think? Oh, dude, like your thoughts. Yeah. For, for, for me, no, like, I, I love that. I, for many people, um, just looking like all the guys on my wall, like, I, I look at a few things. You um, have guys on your wall? <laughs> <laughs> Shh, 
year. <laughs> uh, guys and girls, I won't discriminate. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, 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 I'm really big on obviously coaching and when it comes to business coaching, mm. knowing exactly what our focus is. Now, some people you could give them like, look, my, I, I create some simple frameworks. So, so for mm. me, this is how my brain works, Tim. I go um, in my program, pretty much say across a year, I break down the big picture stuff. So I go from really keep dialing in. I'm sure you've done stuff on your purpose and your and your mm. mission being like a 10 year thing. Like your yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. but like yeah. in a bit more depth, right? Yeah. Um, but your mission's like your BHAG, right? It's it's such a big picture goal that it's enough time for people to fuck up a whole heap of shit and mm. still stay on track, yep. right? But but for me, it's like then I dial that down to like the next three years, right? And mm. I or, and I and I see you like mate, you've run retreats and a whole heap of stuff, and you do a lot of goal setting with people. Mm. But for me, I I I'm I'm a very visual person, so for me, I go from my vivid vision, I drop, try and help people dial it down to just the next twelve months, mm. right? And when I look at the 12 months, I look at it as the top priorities and probably there's like three major goals a year. Yeah. And then from those three major goals, I break those down into quarters. Mm -hmm. And then from those quarters, I will have a one-on-one -on -one monthly with every one of my guys at a minimum. Yeah. Some people have a higher touch point and some people will have a lower depending on what they're like. Mm. Right. And I've just, I've, I've worked it out yes through trial and error, but also like there's a couple of great books that I've used and I don't know, tests like, Obviously, there's different personality questionnaires. The book, The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Heard of it, yeah. Yeah, basically, like, there's four types of people. So because you're a rebel, it's probably one of the hardest things. You're fucked because you just got to experience it by fucking... <laughs> I'm making... Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. No, Please. you're... Look, I won't lie. There is part of you that's definitely a rebel. I think we all have a bit of rebel. But <clears throat> I look at a couple of things around what they're like. Some people can only handle like one thing a week. So I'm just like, I'll just focus on what they've got to... Like there's one, for example, like there's one person who's a mum whose partner I'm coaching, she's got a great business, but her partner flies out with FIFO mm. and she has the kids like, it's crazy, like yeah. so much more than him. Mm. So it's pretty much like weeks where she's on with the kids and weeks when she's off. And we focus on doing more on the weeks that she's off. Yep. But then I'm like, okay, foundational things for me around your health, what do you need? Foundational yep. things for you around some the relationships and what do you need? Mm -hmm. um, and obviously the kids foundational shit you need to do for your business to keep it moving forward. Yep. Then I just create a habit and I look at their week and I go three to five things. And one of those things might be a project you're working on. That's it. Yep. And I just try and simplify it. And to be honest, that as simple as it's worked for me is I create a Google doc with them. Mm -hmm. And then I go through that. And then I have at least two touch points a week, reaching out and making sure that those things are moving forward. And, and for me, the way I coach, as you know, you typically know in the first, say, three months, the key things that you need to follow up on. Yeah. Cool. Right? Like you'll have a list of things that are there and that are a priority. So for me, that's just what I found worked. And I'll just use that as like either voice message. Um, mm -hmm. I do everything on Slack um, mm -hmm. as a communication platform. And then obviously, yeah, membership sites and other things to add weight and value with the videos. So. How are you going with that? Does that, that kind of fit in a little bit with what you Yeah, do? it's cool. I like that. Uh, I like the keeping it localized with a Google Doc for one person. So just all the information in a client file is is good. I'm definitely going to implement that. Um, where you kind of just create like a strategy session and then another one, another one, another one, another one. And pretty pretty much like that. Dude, that check seven in. Seven different like, files, yeah. Yeah, like what? So, so then they know mm. and they can look in and go, all right, so for this month, you know, this is my goal. This is where I'm headed. And then if I break it down, what are the, if we chunk up the three to five areas that they're focused on in their life, and, and this mm -hmm. can be, they said, personal health, whatever, that they know the key things, like there's there's outcome-based goals and there's process-based goals. Yeah. And you obviously would know the difference between. So it's yep. like, right, they, they're like, oh, I want to, for example, you might be in PTs and business. It's like, oh, I, I, I want to get uh, four new clients a month. I don't know, I'm just random, right? I'm like, okay, well then you need to have if you convert one out of three, I don't know, whatever their conversion is, you need to have three booked strategy sessions a week. Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, I focus on what they need to do daily. So if they need mm -hmm. that, how many then conversations they need to have? Well, then if we extrapolate that, you need to have at least 10 conversations a week, mm -hmm. to have three booked, like, so you would have had a discovery and then a, say a strategy call, depending on the process. Yep. And I've broken it down to a process-based goal. Yep. So it's like, what do I need to show up for every day? Yep. And it might be do a 90 minute block of calls every day. 
And I make it that like that simple, right? So whatever it is for those guys, and then they know, and then I'm like, how's your week going? It can be literally as simple as that. Yeah. Right, check in, what were your wins? What'd you do well, not so well? By the way, I put an expectation, like you reply. Mm. Yeah, do you do that in the start and in the, in the sales process? Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. So it's right, do it do it like a setting of expectations. But a big thing for me is it's like I, I want people that are, are committed. Yep. Right? Like the people who are not committed, we will weed you out if you don't if you don't if you want to show up here and not get results, I'm gonna feel guilty taking your money and I don't want to take your money. Yeah. Right? Yeah, this it's is a shit feeling. Yeah. Shocking feeling. So yeah, did you take anything away from that? The accountability? Yeah, heaps. That's great. Um, uh, I'll definitely implement that at this afternoon. I'm staring at my notepad like I'm going to write you as soon as we're off this podcast. Cool. <laughs> so, so, I mean, so, like the other thing about sales, like everyone knows Grant Cardone, right? Who doesn't? What like, weapon? Uncle G. Um, yeah. And, but one thing that I think he said that always stuck with me, and it's been something that through the years, and I think this is, I mean, it's funny, PTs will take the approach of like, they want to get stronger. So they realize it's like, if I get better at my technique, if I keep just slowly incrementally adding weight to the bar, and if I keep showing up and squatting once, twice, three times a week, I know you, you I know you're a nutcase that did that in the past. Love that. Yeah, like you're gonna get better. And, and what I love, he used that analogy of like, he was a car salesman, um, if you've heard this story, but he talks about mastery, right? Mm. But he said he was, he was the worst salesman right in in the whole car yard and he just decided at like 26 he was fucking broke he's like i i'm actually gonna fucking master this i've had enough mm -hmm. so what did he do would you know the story no uh i don't know the story but i'm guessing he had a lot of conversations he literally would record all of his conversations or he'd sit down and he'd write down in a notepad every time he had a conversation what he did well and not so well and he kept learning from every experience yeah right and to the point where he kept dialing it in. And for me, when I heard that, like that's mastery, yeah. right? So it's like, if, if you wanna help people, and this has been another big aha that I had when I was doing a sales immersion and one guy who owned a gym and had 350 clients in an F45, yet he avoided sales and would email people, email them. Yeah. Email them to sign but them that, up. That's when F45 was hot. I bet he's not doing that now. Oh, 100%. Hundred yeah, percent, fucking button. No, yeah. So, but it was this avoidance of it, mm. right? And all I would say to anyone who's in that situation who avoids sales, well, I, I can guarantee you they've got money problems. For sure, right? Because literally, it's what's getting in the way of you helping people. Mm -hmm. And he had this big aha. He's just then he was all in for that fucking week. And I watched this guy do like nine or ten sales that week and fucking dominated. Got on the phone and found his voice, yeah. like. It's personal development, dude. Like, we could talk about all the reasons. Like, what is what did sales for you maybe when you were shit or whatever, because you've put a lot of work in. Yeah. What did it bring up for you in the past? Because you were so anti-business. Mm, it's just like, you just put your own shit on them. It's all the time. You're just putting your own fucking negative bullshit. Like, oh, they can't afford it. And you don't, you have no idea. Before you even do it, especially if you're like charging a lot, you know, or comparatively to the competition, so to speak. It's just, yeah, it's like, oh, they can't afford it. They won't do it. Yada, 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 yada. They should use the money for other shit. There are the cheaper options. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, we're the best. I'm the best. So I think something just flipped at that point. And I thought if they don't pay me a lot of money to do this, they're not going to have the buy-in or commitment to do it. And let's be real. If they go somewhere else, they're going to have a fucking shit time and they're probably not going to get a result 99% of the time. Yeah. So that's that was something that flipped for me in my head probably like three to four years ago, um, especially post-COVID. Like they could go to some CrossFit gym and have some shitty experience and get injured or whatever. But like I know that we are the best solution if someone wants to get strong, have a good time, lose body fat, get accountability and get lifted by people doing big shit. Dude, how far along does belief take you? Seriously, Huge. like Massive. you're all in to the point where, like you said, there was a point where you're like, I don't, I, I don't like you literally questioned even being in, right? Yeah. So you're all in. Yeah, 100%. I will never, I will always have a gym. I fucking know that. Like there's, I would do it for zero dollars. There is no, yeah, I, whatever.
Well, you basically have, let's be honest. Yeah, I've done it many times. Yeah, it's been there. <laughs> Any gym owner would say that. Post-COVID, it was nearly there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck. I yeah. Yeah, dude, like self, self-belief self and, and, and again, I could take every principle that you say and just apply it to sales, right? Yeah. So believe in your offer, mm. like believe it that you can fucking deliver the things you say. If you can't deliver on those things, only really oh, focus right. on the things you can really deliver, yeah. right? Don't try and be someone you're not. Yeah. But if you have a belief, like you said, then who 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 are you compared to? Yeah. But you, you can't be, you're non-comparable, right? Yeah. Um, That's why I put it like a big emphasis on my own training as well. A lot of people will like, well, I'm not, uh, comparatively to the best in the world, I'm not a beast. Locally, I'm a beast. So if someone comes to the gym and they're like, I want to squat 200. I can take you there because I've done that. Or yeah. they say they want to snatch 120. I can do it because I've been there or bench or whatever, like any of these types of things. So mm. anyone has a goal in that realm, I am 100% confident. I am your man. You can do this on this program. So yeah. I think like for coaches, if you, you know, if you're coaching something, you have to have done it. Like you have to, <laughs> same with business coach, you got to have a successful business. You got to know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, you can't, you can't be a fitness business coach and never had a gym. Like, <laughs> well, well, no. You know what I mean? Like never being yeah. involved in a business. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, dude, I totally agree. And and on what you just said, like when it comes to skill set, right? Like mm. if, if I'm if I'm sitting in front of someone and they're like newish to the industry, they haven't done a lot of skill set, particularly like you said, they haven't probably achieved a lot in their own right, mm. I'd be like, um, yes, you need to learn sales, like you said at the start, right? Yeah. Like, but I'd be positioning them at a point where it's like what can you give where you are levels actually above the general yeah. population that you're working with? Yeah. Whilst we actually focus on what I would suggest for you is your high priority is to actually build high value skill. Yeah. Right. So like, where do you want to go? What do you want to get good at? And if they say like nutrition, I'm like, yeah, cool. But what do you want to do in skill set? <laughs> right. Yeah. Get good there first. I think like you said as well, mate, love to chat with you about this off air, but yeah, around cert fours, I, I want them to almost do an apprenticeship before they be actually get into the industry. Yeah. Um, on training, like I want you to fucking yeah. train and know what it's like to have achieved something because otherwise you don't know what the fuck you're selling. Or follow a fucking program. Like how hard is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. We, well, I could talk to talk you to death about internships and interns and stuff like that. But, you know, I think I've had about 50. I've hired five. And... They just don't want to work out. You can't be a coach if you don't work out and follow a program. Like there is just nothing. It's just the prerequisite of it. You have to go hard. You have to be a leader. You have to set the example. You have to put in effort in the gym. And especially if you're vying for a job as an intern, you got to step up and step out. Otherwise, fuck off. Like there's enough. What, what, do, you, what do you put that down to? Because... Like, obviously, I imagine the, the young, it might be younger kids, right? Mm. Oh, it's, yeah, or, generally early 20s. Yeah. So, Ex so what is it about that, like, <sighs> in your experience? I can talk from personal experience. Like, it's, I interned in America and, you know, I was the white dude and the other intern was black. And, <laughs> and I'm not trying to turn this racist, but... The man was like two foot taller than me and double my strength. So I had to step the fuck up. Oh, this guy's going to be like this pussy Aussie fucking dude <laughs> has come over here for an internship and he can't even fucking lift. He could beat me in everything square, but I could give 100% effort, which no one could take that away from me. And eventually I earned the trust and the respect of him and my bosses and my mentors, which led me to numerous opportunities. But I think like it was just showing them from the start that I had the work ethic. Like I didn't know shit. I couldn't coach. I couldn't coach a fucking Olympian. I couldn't coach a gold medalist, NCAA champion, or a, you know, an Olympic swimmer. But what I can do is work hard and show them that I can work hard. And that starts with squatting hard and benching hard and deadlifting hard, and it kind of going from there. And then you know, the kids these days, I don't know. I feel like they've got a, a lot easier without sounding like a fucking crusty old fossil. I feel like it's you know they don't really need it either you know because everything's so fucking easy these days compared to what it was back in the day in fitness in my opinion mm. i feel like you had to there was no there was zero opportunity i had to fucking go to america to get experience i'd spend fifty thousand dollars of my own money fly to a foreign country sleep on a fucking couch for a year yeah and now you know they can come out and actually learn 
from me for free for something that I had to pay 50K for and then no one really values it. So yeah, I'd probably say it's just no value in it because you know, well, you could just go to the mines and you know work for a couple of years and earn 70 bucks an hour or you could slog it out in the fitness industry and potentially get nowhere ever and get no respect. So I think there's just a lot of other more attractive options in the world at the moment in terms of ease of making money, man. Fuck, you could shake your ass on TikTok and make 100K. Like, or you can <laughs> do yeah. the hard yards in the fitness industry and get shit from a crusty old dude like me. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, it's, yeah. It, I don't, I don't even know if I answered your question there, but I was just. Oh, I just, I, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, it, it, it does. I just, I wonder, I wonder why, but, but then, yeah, you when I started, when I, mate, I sound like I'm, old, I'm yeah. only 39, but I feel like I'm 100 yeah. when I'm saying it. But, yeah. But when I started, dude, like the, the industry probably was definitely taking off. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, when I went to a fitness first, I think it was about 33 or 34 trainers in the same gym. Yeah, that's crazy. Right, so you had to be, if you weren't good in the first three months, you, they they fucked off a lot of trainers. They got rid yeah. of a lot, right? Man, so you had to- I was the fittest. Yeah, it was, it really was. Yeah. And man, competitive, fuck. Like, you know, like you see new meat, it was like, oh, everyone's blah, they're onto them, right? Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was quite interesting, but yeah, I, I wonder with, you know, with these, with these kind of, um, the next generation, there are a lot of opportunities. I just feel like when it comes to PTs and developing it, it's it, Kim's it, for me, I want to get to the root cause. Mm. And I think it comes back to the very thing that you're doing in your exact sales process mm. that we need to test to bring out the right ones because there are the right ones. Yeah. It's just, we've got to put these hurdles in front of them for them to actually prove, because you know what? You're not doing him a favor if you make it fucking easy. Nah, no way. No. Like, yeah, I would, I'd make it hard. It's fucking, it's a bullshit hard internship. Like, it's not easy. Like, they're cleaning shit and they're fucking, you know, moving shit around, even if I don't need it moved around. Like, they're fucking wiping down walls and scrubbing shit with toothbrushes. And, you know, I make it hard as fuck, but the 2% that do pass and do well, they're epic and they're elite coaches. and. Yeah, put my, put my stamp. I'm not fucking rubber stamping someone coming out of my internship, being like, "Yeah, they they fucking pass the requirements," unless they really pass the requirements. <laughs> if you yeah. intern with me, you're gonna be good. Yeah, like, comparatively. To the I internet. mate, I, I I love to hear that, and I think like it's if you're looking for a mentor, as you've said, find someone who's walked the walk and has done the things, yeah. and that like that is. Like you said, it's fucking invaluable. I got one more point to add here. Yeah. So I did this course called Coaches Prep by Logan Gelbrich. He owns Juice Gym in America. And he, he runs his Coaches Prep as a six month program in uh, LA. I wish I could do it here, but I just don't have enough people that would actually do it. But you know, you have to pass the Coaches Prep and do it for free and pay for it if you're gonna become a coach at his gym. So that's like their like interview process is a six month course. <laughs> so I I couldn't probably about three or four years ago, I was having a really hard time mentally in my own head. Shit wasn't going well. And I flew to America to meet this guy mm. and uh, paid a thousand bucks US to just like have a coffee with him kind of thing. And uh, I was like, told him about the business and he was like, what do you think's going wrong? And I was like, I don't know. And he goes, you're a shit leader. And I was like, fuck, it's like a fucking dagger. You know, when you get you get feedback from someone you really respect and it hits you like a fucking oh, yeah. hammer. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, when you, you're telling me that I've really stepped up as a leader, I probably think it might have come from that as well. Mm. And this is the same guy that runs this six-month, you know, process to even be a coach at his gym. And I, I would say, like, any gym it was a crossfit gym any gym i've been to they were some of the best coaches i've ever seen uh they were jacked they were ready to go they all were like hustling they were their vibes were high everything was good like from an organizational point of view things were done 10 out of 10 from what i saw yeah. maybe because of this six month coaches prep thing that he had put them through i wish i could run it in perth maybe i can one day but that would be sick. I definitely. hope you got some nuggets from that. <laughs> yeah, mate, uh, maybe you should definitely run something like that. And I think this is the, at the end of the day, I think the industry keeps crying out for better and better leaders. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of whingers, mm, a lot of people oh. that like to, to shit can our industry, which to be honest, 
for me, man, and, and for you, it's given us everything, right? Mm. Um, and complain about other coaches on their Instagrams. I fucking hate that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, dude, those people I just fucking delete. They don't yeah. exist in my world. The people yeah. who want to, like, that negativity and that bullshit. Um, don't get me wrong. Yes, a lot of, lot of shit oh, in our industry. <laughs> don't need it. Like, it's, but, I get it. It's fucking crap, but like, don't call people out and waste the energy of everyone else in a fucking argument. No. Um, and also, there's this kind of like horrendous thing, which the arrogance, which just really needs to go. It needs mm -hmm. to, sure, there's a level of arrogance when you have a level of confidence or self confidence about the way you do things. Yeah. Um, but I think that's different from the arrogance of like the needing to put other people down for you to be higher or above mm -hmm. them. It's just unnecessary. Yeah. Pet peeve. Yeah. Dude, I've loved this chat. I didn't know where we were going to go, but I think, yeah. it was, uh, I think it was absolute gold. Yeah. I hope. You guys get some value from it. Um, I was pretty raw and authentic on that, so <laughs> hope they got some. Mate, this is this is what we do, and and I, I appreciate that you showed up like that, mate, because that's what a leader does. Um, mate, you're you're a busy human, so uh, we can chat a bit off air, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed that, mate. And um, yeah, if you want to hear more about Tim, then I will put this out to my coaches collective group and get a bit of feedback, and we can obviously dial into some other areas. Because um, obviously there's plenty of wisdom inside that head, believe it or not. Yeah, there's blonde cranium. I uh, appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, as I said, thoroughly enjoyed it. Let's um, let's do it again soon. Cool. No worries. Thanks, Mark. Legend, mate.